I know I'm not the only one who thinks that everything right now seems very muddled and that there is so much confusion and division that the air in, in our country and in our world is just almost thick with tension, that we are mired in anxiety and anger. And I feel that I need to lift up my eyes above all the noise and to look ahead. As the psalmist said in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. This morning, I want not just me, but all of us to lift up our eyes. Above all the confusion that exists in our world today, I want us to look ahead to our glorious future. And how it should impact our present lives. Let me cut right to the chase. If you're a baptized believer, and we've got many baptized believers in the house and in our building this morning. Then you, and this will not come as news to you. You have resurrection in your future. You will be raised on that last day when Christ returns. We have all stood at the grave of a loved one. And soon, uh, Brother Champion's family will stand at his grave and mourn his loss. We are all saddened uh, to learn of his passing this morning. All of us have been there. We've been in that graveyard, in that cemetery, and we've watched as our loved one is buried. And if Jesus delays his coming, let's see, if he delays his coming a hundred years, a hundred more years, then everybody within the sound of my voice, probably, even the smallest ones in our midst today, we will one day be lowered into the earth, just as those who have gone before us. But, you know as well as I, there is coming a day when those graves will be opened and the dead in Christ will rise. A passage that I share at almost every funeral I preach is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at about verse 13. But I just want to read verses 16 and 17 to you this morning. The Apostle Paul, addressing some concerns, some questions that the brothers and sisters in Thessalonica had about what happens when believers die, what happens on the last day when Christ returns. This is how Paul clears things up with them. He says, for the Lord himself, speaking of the last day, will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And the last phrase is my favorite, probably the best part of these verses. And so we will always be. With the Lord. Paul tells us here. This is what happens. On resurrection day. But there were some in the city of Corinth. Some Christians. We've been talking about 1 Corinthians. Over the past several weeks. There were some believers in Corinth. Probably the Gentile converts. 
Because among the Jews, there was a belief that there would be a resurrection, but among pagans, there was not. For them, the road to the underworld only ran one way, and there was no answer to death, and there was nothing that could overturn the finality of death. So there, these were probably Gentile believers in the Corinthian church who did not believe there would be a resurrection. Of the dead. And we know this because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the second part of verse 12, says, How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Some of them were saying such a thing. But Paul sets them straight. He tells them, I just want to share a few verses from this grand chapter about our future resurrection. Paul spends a lot of time talking about what will happen on that last day. And he tells them, especially those in their number who didn't believe it would happen, he says, verses 13 and 14, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. He says, you believe Christ has been raised, right? I mean, you're a Christian and you have believed in the gospel, which is the death, burial, and don't forget the resurrection of Christ. But if you reject the resurrection of the dead, then that means... You are also saying Christ has not been raised from the dead because these two truths cannot be separated. They go hand in hand. So he says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hadn't been raised either. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. What we have been going from town to town declaring the good news of the gospel, we are wasting our time. And what you have believed your faith, the convictions you hold dear, they are in vain as well. And skip down to verses 17 and 18. He continues, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. You are still wallowing in your iniquity. You are still separated from God. You are still bound for punishment and hell. If Christ has not been raised, verse 18 then, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He says, those loved ones who have gone before you, who have, Paul says, fallen asleep, that language is used to mean died, passed away, they have ceased to exist. They are no more. You will never again see them. If Christ has not been raised, then life doesn't carry on into eternity. And he also says in verse 19, he says, if this life is all there is, you know, if we only have this life to hope in, then people ought to feel sorry for us. Then they ought to look at us and have pity on us. Of all people, all of this is true if Christ has not been raised. So Paul is clear. And his point is summarized in a great quote from Gerald O. Collins. I love this. He says, Christianity without the resurrection is not simply Christianity without its final chapter. It is not Christianity at all. Without the resurrection, everything that we believe unravels. It falls apart. Well, maybe some of you are asking, what does this have to do with fellowship? And we've been talking about fellowship the profound, beautiful fellowship that we enjoy as God's family. This has been our series. We've called it When You Come Together, 
These are sermons from 1 Corinthians, and maybe you're wondering, if you know that this is the last installment of that series, maybe you're wondering, what does all this talk about resurrection have to do with the theme of fellowship? Well, it's quite simple. Fellowship doesn't end at death. At the resurrection, the fellowship that we enjoy in the present begins to advance into eternity. We are together now as God's people on earth. We will be together forever with one another and with our God in the new heaven and earth. The resurrection we would do well to remember is not an individual event. It is a collective event. It involves all those who are in Christ. Let me read or share with you a couple verses uh, that were just read for us by Thomas. A couple verses from our text. 51 and 52, very similar to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. The verses that I shared earlier from Paul. He says here, Behold, I tell you a mystery, a mystery that has now been revealed to you. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. Regardless of our state, uh, when Jesus returns, if he returns today, and he very well could, and I hope that he does. Do you? I'm ready for Jesus to return. Uh, with each passing day, I am increasingly ready for my Lord to return at the sound of a trumpet and at the cry of an archangel. I'm ready. And he could return today. We don't know. If he returns today, he will find us all awake. If he returns in 50 years or so, some of us will still be awake, probably, but others of us will, will be asleep. If, as I said earlier, he re returns in 100 years or 200 years or another 1,000 years, we will all by that time be asleep. But regardless of our state when he returns, whether we need to be raised up or not, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that we will all, meaning all those in Christ, we will all be changed. Because we can't take these bodies that we currently have with us into eternity. The perishable must put on the imperishable. The natural must become spiritual. We will be buried in weakness but raised in power. That's Paul's language here. This is something that will happen to all believers. It's not an individual event. It's a collective event. And what's more... At the resurrection, we will know. We will know the fullness of fellowship. We will experience fellowship to the utmost. Or to the highest degree. You see, we've been talking about fellowship for several weeks now. But it's important for us to remember that we only know this reality in part. In the present. Any experience of fellowship in the here and now, it's, it's partial. It only gives us a glimpse of the life to come. But aren't those glimpses wonderful when they come our way? I remember being in Peru uh, last year in early March where Mitchell and Rachel Ruth served and we supported them down there. And we were worshiping on the Lord's Day with the church in Cusco. And I was asked 
honored to be asked to lead a song uh, in English, thankfully, because I couldn't have done it in Spanish. I led the song Surround Us, O Lord, a song that we've sung here before that you are, many of you are familiar with. I sang the song, or led the song rather, in English, and then one of the Spanish-speaking Peruvian ministers stood up, and then he led the song in Spanish. But what was so powerful about that moment was when we were singing the song in English, the Spanish-speaking believers, well, they joined in in English. And when we sang it in Spanish, the English-speaking believers, well, we joined in in Spanish with help from the words on the screen. And it was a reminder for me in that moment, though we speak two different languages, we are all, as believers in Christ, singing the same song. Singing a new song about how God has surrounded us all, regardless of our ethnicity or nationality, with His love through Jesus Christ. That was an experience of beautiful fellowship in the body of Christ. And it was also a glimpse of heaven. And any moment that you've experienced like that, where you've experienced true connection in God's family, True belonging among your brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, anytime you've experienced that, that is what heaven will be like every moment into eternity. Every experience that we have like that gives us a foretaste. It gives us a glimpse of what's to come. And so for that reason, Christian fellowship in this life should stir within us an eagerness for the return of the Lord. Because when we have moments like that, it should create, and we know that it's going to be like that all the time in the life to come, that should create a greater hunger for the return of Christ. And we should begin to say with greater frequency what is said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, come, Lord Jesus. Are we praying that? Do we pray that? Come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready. Your church is weary. We long to be home with you and with our brothers and sisters. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, all this talk about the future in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and, you know, it's 57 verses or so worth of talk about the coming resurrection. All this talk about the future in this chapter may cause us to be a bit surprised with how Paul wraps things up, how he concludes the chapter. In verse 58, I want to read this to you. And I've got it up on the screen. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He gets to verse 58. And of course, verse numbers were not part of the original text of God's Word. We've added the verses, but that shows us how much content has come before in verse 15, how much time Paul has spent talking about the future. And then he gets to the end and he says, Therefore, in other words, because of all that I have previously shared, do this. Be steadfast and immovable. You know, stay the course. Keep the faith. Dig in your heels. Keep doing what God wants you to do. Be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Your service to God is making a difference, even when it feels like you're just spinning your wheels and nothing is changing 
And you're not making an impact and you're not having an influence because of the resurrection. You can know that you are. Every act of service in the name of Christ, big or small, makes a difference. We can know that. Because of the resurrection, that's what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says. Contrary to what some might think, knowing about the future, well, it doesn't distract you from the present. It doesn't take your mind off the present. It doesn't make you less effective in the present. In fact, it makes you more effective. Knowing about the future, Paul says, helps you to live more purposefully in the present. I love this old quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, or he writes rather, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Having some microphone issues here. Here we go. I don't want anything to distract from this quote. It's good. It's that good. Let me read it again. If you read history, he says, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. He says, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Paul says, looking ahead to resurrection, well, it gives you the motivation, it gives you the fuel that you need to serve heartily now because of the resurrection. Your labor is not in vain. It is not wasted. So I want to say, as I read and reflect on these verses, I want to want to say, my eyes are fixed on the future resurrection. I have the ability to look ahead and above all the noise and the confusion and see what will happen in the future. I can know that. I can bank on that because of God's word. My eyes are fixed on my coming Lord, but my hands are busy serving him in the present. And we, the church, we should want to say, we love to be together now. We should want to say that. Do you, do you think that? Do you feel that? I love to be with my church family. I love to be with the saints. I love to be with my brothers and sisters. We love to be together now. We long to be together then. And we look for ways to serve together in the meantime. We look for ways to serve the Lord, to work in His kingdom, to labor in the meantime. Because we know that our labor is not in vain. We are not wasting our time. We are not spinning our wheels. Because of the resurrection, it matters. Our service to God matters. Our glorious future empowers us to work hard together in the present. We're talking about resurrection today. We're talking about how our fellowship does not end after this life, it extends into eternity. And that begins on that glorious day when Christ returns and those graves are emptied and we are raised and fitted for eternal life in God's presence. But let me tell you something. If you have not been raised up from the waters of baptism then you will not be raised up in Christ and changed and brought 
into God's presence on the last day. So if there's anybody in this room or any room down the hall who has not yet given their life to Jesus Christ, who has not yet named that name, turned away from their sins, and gone down into those waters, dying to their old self and coming up a new creature, I implore you, I beg you, I ask you, come this morning and be buried with Christ in those waters of baptism. You can be raised to experience fellowship with God, yes, but also fellowship with other believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ, even as you anticipate the glorious fellowship that we will all experience in the life to come. Or if you're struggling in any way, if you need prayers, please come and we would be delighted to pray with you and for you. If you'd like to stick around and speak with a couple of our elders after our assembly this morning, you can do so in the library. This is a time when I'm not doing the inviting. God is to anyone who needs to walk with Him more closely, to anyone who needs to begin their walk with Him this morning. We ask you, would you come right now as we stand and sing?